Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. Today I'm your host Alex Jones for the second show of 2024 and whilst we're still waiting for the gaming industry to get going, Jamie and I are here nonetheless to string out what little gaming news there is for your entertainment pleasure. Jamie, how the hell are you doing? I'm doing unbelievably well, thank you Mr Jones and I can't wait to deliver people exactly what they've been waiting for which is a volume of video game news that should liberally be discussed at, in like at least at most 20 to 30 minutes and yet we're somehow going to be here for the next 90 arguing over whether or not the person who plays abby in the last of us hbo show should have big arms or not and i can't wait me either um as you alluded to there one of the stories we're going to be talking about is the fact that abby has now been cast for the season two uh hbo's last of us we're also going to touch on the xbox developer direct which is coming uh this month and we are also going to have to talk about that rocksteady embargo drop because and one of the reasons we put this sort of like front and center you know cheeky little thumbnail because jamie you and i actually partook in the closed alpha session um that we couldn't talk about and now we can so yeah we thought we'd drop some more of our thoughts we'd talk about what's been going on with rocksteady uh, and with suicide squad kill the justice league um but hey all of that good stuff to get to first of all i want to uh, just do some housekeeping and say that you can reach out to us on youtube and twitter at super show pod we are available not just on youtube as you may be seeing us right now live our, our lovely pretty little faces beaming out across the interwebs you can also catch us audio only uh, across all major podcasting platforms i'm talking spotify itunes google podcasts or any good place you get your podcast from we're also on paisleyradio.com uh, Thursdays at 10pm, repeated Mondays at 10pm. Um, but that, having been said, Jamie, I think we should jump into this very first story, which we're going to talk about today, which is the fact that, as we just said, Rocksteady uh, did have an embargo that stopped people like you and I, the plebs I've called us in this little doc we've got in front of us, stopped us discussing and talking about our thoughts uh, around Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. That has now been... Um, withdrawn we can't show images video uh, audio anything actually that we may have recorded even though we didn't from the game um, we can only share our feelings and our thoughts but before we sort of get into it and we actually talk about our thoughts around it I just wanted to give people a reason as to why that may have happened um, so some preview uh, previewers for uh, bigger publications uh, got their hands on the game and they actually got to play it a bit early and had put out some pretty scathing news stories. So we're talking um, the likes of GameSpot, Game Informer, and I think IGN are probably the notor most notorious at this point. Um, nothing, There was nothing like over, overly mean or particularly bad that they said, I think, that you could sort of take away and that they'd said, oh, this is unplayable or, or this is a complete travesty. But it was just genu generally like, this is not good. Um, you know, this is not fun, things like that. Um, and so as a as a sort of like counterpoint to that, seemingly Rocksteady have thought that if they drop the embargo, they'll get some other voices of people that plays that played that closed alpha um, and they can sort of put a, maybe a positive spin on this news cycle before the game's release in February. Um, pretty interesting turn of events, I would say. Yeah, um, uh, kind of unforeseeable in many respects because i think you're right to focus on the press element to this story first and foremost because to me it like it was the beginning of this bizarre snowballing of things that just don't usually happen I think the fascinating thing about preview events is that there's 
you know, it, it takes two to tango, right? And usually, if there's a preview event, whether that's in the case of people like you and I who were invited to play a closed alpha as it was at the time. Was it late November last year? It was, then? yes. Um, the date was... Uh, I have it right in front of me, but I can't apparently read. Um, yeah, I can't, yeah I, can't, I can't see. And yeah, it was November last year. <clears throat> okay. So you've got things like that, and then you've also got what I think happened more recently, which is these slightly more structured events where uh, journalists and writers... Uh, from websites like IGN, as Jonesy mentioned, might go to physical events. I think they had one in LA and they will play um, a build there under very controlled and very closed circumstances. But like I said, yeah, you usually have two elements going into it. One of them is that a round of previews is completely optional. Inviting journalists to come and play your game prior to its release, um, even in controlled circumstances, is something you choose to do as a PR and marketing move, which means more often than not, it's done by people who feel like they stand to benefit or to gain from the kind of exposure that a round of previews might net them. The second thing... Oh, hold on, hold on. We've... Something has gone wrong. What has gone wrong? What's, what's gone wrong? Oh, uh, we have frozen on the YouTube side. Okay. Oh, no. I think we're back. There may have been a bit of a pause. Who uh, knows? Apologies, anyone watching. I think that the... Um, for some reason, we may have frozen um, whilst Jamie and I could actually talk to one another uh, at length. It seems that, um, yeah, it seems that it might have actually frozen on the upload side for us. But hey, let's get back into it. I don't know where it might have dropped off. It's all part of the roller coaster, right? Like my internet's going to die in the next 10 minutes anyway, and then you won't even be able to talk to me. So let's just enjoy it while we can. Make hay while the sun shines. Um, I, well, what, what I was saying, and I, I apologize if I'm repeating any of this for people who are listening to it twice after the fact but basically we because uh, because previews especially the ones that the you know the, the IGN and game performers of the world just took part in are our choice uh, you know there's something that, that uh, the marketing and PR and comms teams of a video games publisher will opt into usually for the benefit of the game because there is uh, some sort of you know security and there's some strength in the knowledge that either through the quality of the game and the quality of the build that's present or through just the you know, the positive word of mouth or getting a bit more information about the game. Long story short, there will be a net positive impact of these round of previews. And that net positive impact is usually reinforced by the fact that games journalists are usually very cautious when handling previews because you're made aware from the moment you sit down those chairs and you and I have sat in them many times over the years that you're playing unfinished versions of, uh, versions of the game. You're not told how old those builds are and how long they might have been around. You don't know which bugs are going to be present at the end and what's going to, you know, which one bugs have been ironed out. You don't know which features are still being cooked behind the scenes and might be in a better... And so usually the safest way to go about previewing a game is to not is to kind of pull your punches a little bit and not go too hard because you don't want to slag off a game for doing something wrong that is fixed by launch. Likewise, you don't want to praise it for something that might not be exactly the same by launch. So usually you just kind of pussyfoot around it, talk about some things you like, talk about things you're excited for or optimistic for, and then at worst, things you're pessimistic about while acknowledging the time frame the developers have to work with. So to see some of the slightly unusually heavy-handed responses from the biggest outlets in video games uh and to talk about one of the most discussed and and you know I, I don't know if anticipated is the right word to describe suicide squad at this point but it's going to be one of the most talked about games of the year regardless of what happens 
um, it was a, it was a really unusual turn of events. And then, as you said, to to have it all end with um, an embargo that would have been in place for a, another three weeks or, or or more dropped to essentially allow content creators and I mean, I, I don't really consider you or I content creators. We're almost like members of the public at this stage, but <laughs> yeah. can, to allow people like us to you know start sharing our experiences in the hope that it might change the tide somewhat um f- uh, fascinating truly fascinating it is and i just want to um at, at the risk of boring everyone i feel like i should give the the uh reasoning and the the actual words uh that rocksteady gave out as as you know why they dropped this why they got why they dropped the embargo so they said Back in November, we held a closed alpha test for Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League where players agreed to a non-disclosure agreement and got a chance to check out an early section of the game. Now that there is more news out on the game and players are asking, we're no longer enforcing a portion of the NDA and we're allowing players to talk about their experiences from the closed alpha test. We've heard the community requests... um, We've heard their community requests and want to give players an opportunity to discuss what it's like to explore Metropolis as Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang and King Shark. To the amazing players who tested the game, please feel free to talk and write about your gameplay experience. Keep in mind that terms of the NDA still applies. So you're not allowed to share videos um, and footage from the closed alpha test. So I, I do like the way that they've couched this in. The community have asked for it, so we're allowing it. Hey, go out there and talk about what you thought. Uh, talk about you know your your thoughts and things. One I don't know if you saw it, but one of the first I preview. Uh, um, sorry, one of the first uh, d- discussions I saw of somebody uh, sort of when they realised they could talk about the game and that embargo no no longer applied was Skill Up, who released a video where he said, um, "I played it and I thought it wasn't half bad," mm-hmm. and his video was was interesting because he played exactly the same section of the game that we played. Um, which is often isn't the case with the reviewers. You know, they get to play a lot more than you or I get to play of a game, especially these days. Um, but I must admit, I di- I didn't I I didn't find myself agreeing with most of what he said. Like some of the things he said about how uh, you know the enjoyment factor and the mechanics and the traversal, and he was like, oh, you know, this is pretty good. And hey, oh, the way you fight these enemies is 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 pretty decent. I ju- I ju- personally I found a lot of what he was talking about like sections that I found just quite dull and joyless and they're not, not much fun to be had unfortunately um and so i think it's pretty obvious why they dropped the embargo was because because of like you said how hard some of the mainstream outlets like ign GameSpot, game informer how hard they went and and like i said i don't even think they necessarily meant to go that hard they basically just said it's kind of dull a bit uninspired um it doesn't do much doesn't push the format and I suppose they were kind of saying that they they were a little let down by you know hoping that a company like Rocksteady would come out of something that would really sort of blow you away and and maybe that wasn't what it was but it was surprising it was for sure and surprising to see that those um, those reviews of or you know the previews come out in such scathing terms when usually we're used to seeing the the mainstream element be very kid glovey with uh, especially big developers who have sort of a good track record. Yeah, I also think it doesn't help that obviously everything needs to be condensed where possible for the sake of social media. You know, articles need to be whittled down to headlines, YouTube videos need titles. And for IGN's Suicide Squad preview to be, we played it and didn't like it. Like, that might be an accurate, and probably is an accurate encapsulation of everything that was present in, I didn't read the article, but certainly watched the video that IGN produced around the game. Um, But in and of itself, 
considering like that there are plenty of people out there, the majority of people out there there whether they were looking forward to the game or not, hadn't even really seen like uncut sequences of gameplay beyond what had been very carefully tailored to in certain gameplay trailers and so on and so forth. Um it was kind of it was kind of a, a it's a bit of a shock like you just don't expect to hear a major outlet talk about a major game in that way so early and then obviously the problem was uh, and this is the other element that kind of came alongside the, the the media embargo dropping the other week was that footage then began flooding onto the internet and as you and I discussed you know all the way back with Chris over the years going back to the uh, the infamous state of play just before the what now looks to have been the final delay where we saw uncut sequences of gameplay we looked at a lot of that and said i can't really tell if i would enjoy that or not like there's a lot going on i can't really get a feel just by watching it for the traversal systems or the combat or how like meaty or heavy the the, the gunplay might feel for example uh, a lot of that stuff doesn't get communicated immediately and so you're watching these videos that are being derided everywhere you look for being too bright too colorful too fortnighty which I'm slightly annoyed that that has just become everyone's go-to expression for anything that is slightly oversaturated <laughs> and hence unrealistic character proportions, uh, even like off by a percentage in terms of their proportions, but whatever, I'm not going to slate the internet for that. But when those videos are going around and people are taking screenshots and going, oh my God, look at the HUD, look at how many like elements there are on the HUD, look how many bars and like virtual currencies there are and timers and this and that, and like this game looks like a hot mess and IGN you know, the, the kings of the 7 out of 10 said that they didn't like it. Wow, this game is doomed. We've waited nine years for Rocksteady to make a game, and this is it. We still incorrectly believe that they were working on a single-player Superman game that got cancelled when that game never even existed, according to Jason Trier. So people have all sorts of bees in their bonnet, multiple bees at once, <laughs> scalp st stung all over, scalp stung all over. Um, and it just, it just, yeah, it just all combined for what is a pretty rough time um for the game which is and i feel the, uh, the the horrible thing is i feel like i'm saying all of this to set up a conversation where you and i go and often discuss some of the game's more redeemable factors but as you just pointed out if anything we're not going to pile on the misery for this game but neither of us have particularly glowing things to say about our actual experiences with it which amounted to i'd say i would say we because i we played some sequences multiple times we probably played about three or four hours each yeah um and we played everything that the people would have seen in previews up to and not including a um, a boss fight against the Flash, which uh, the media outlets got to do, and there is footage of out there. Um, and I'll be honest, I think if we had done that boss fight with the Flash, Jonesy, I'd come away from this thing feeling even more negative than I do already. But yeah, so, so, all right then. So that that aside, the reasons for the embargo dropping aside, and and how much has been sort of gently or not so gently slagged off by the big outlets let's have a quick chat about what we thought of our time with um justice league justice league suicide squad kill the kill the justice league i mean we did spend some time with the justice league batman looked at us a couple of times we did i take uh, uh, right should we, should we try should we try and do some positives first if you could take if you could take any positives away um from the time we had with it because uh, jamie and i played together and and also a little bit apart um so we yeah we did a bit of co-op stuff we got to um go around that environment together which is what i always like doing as we always always say any co-op game played with friends is always better um and is so you know we, this isn't to say so any anything that we did in that was slightly improved by the fact that we got to laugh about it 
playing it's good like you know even stuff that's not necessarily good when you get to laugh about it and you get to slag it off a little bit you can find because you find enjoyment in some of the most some of the most mundane games but but let's have a couple of your positives if you can find okay and i will caveat that some of what i say over the next you know chunk of time might sound contradictory because there are negatives buried within some of the positives and positives buried within some of the negatives (laughs) But if I were to kind of like try and like pan for gold for a bit and just try and talk about the things that, even if I didn't like them, I think are commendable. One thing that struck me straight away is that um, even though we've seen a lot of, uh, well, we've seen two in motion, in form of motion pictures, uh, iterations of uh, Suicide Squad's vast roster at this point, um, and you'll have seen far more if you watch animated shows, for example, like there are plenty of other versions of you know king shark and harley quinn and stuff like that out there i do think they're kind of that they managed to stray away from territory that felt well worn in terms of what i've seen at least having watched suicide squad and the suicide squad like their characterizations of those four individuals seem unique enough the writing around it the writing around them was hit and miss like there are some funny moments and some funny sequences but a lot of the moment to moment banter didn't uh land for me uh, and that's the stuff you kind of sometimes need to be worried about in this game because uh, that that's sometimes the stuff that you're kind of hit over the head with over the course of your time with a game is is the is the banter between the fights as opposed yeah. to the you know, the cutscenes which can be a little bit more you know can be a little bit more handcrafted and and you know the you know one-off jokes can be heard and and, to, and told. Um, I think that ha- careful handling of the characters also extends to how they play and making sure they all play different. You could tell that this was a game that when they set out one of the objectives they had for it was like, this is going to be a game that is going to contain four protagonists that is going to be playable in single player and and co-op. But we want to make sure that in theory, a player could play through the campaign four times with each of the four characters and have a significantly different feeling experience as a result of that. And I think they've come a commendable way towards that goal. And at the start of the game, I don't know if it'd be the same in the final product. You, as part of the tutorial, are forced to do a, lo- a, a, a basically a loose sort of traversal tutorial for all four to make sure you understand the mechanics of getting around Metropolis, no matter who you jump in as. And when I was doing those tutorials back to back to back, I was like, okay, these 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 feel different. Like you, like Captain Boomerang's weird sort of like glitchy. Um, jumpy uh, boomerang traversal feels very different to Deadshot's jetpack, which feels very different to King Shot's just natural sort of like agility and his ability to jump very high. Harley Quinn's was possibly the weakest, which was based off sort of um, or, or repels and stuff. You're repelling on a bat wing, which kind of flew above her head all the time, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought that like the between the, the, the simplicity of Deadshot's and the uniqueness of, of Captain Boomerangs, those were the two that I was attracted to the most. And again, like they were, they genuinely felt like different ways of getting around Metropolis. And I think they fed into different ki- types of gameplay, different types of combat. Like once you learn that Deadshot can hover for a significant period of time in midair to take to fire using a jetpack in the same way you would have in something like Anthem for those who bothered playing that back in the day, <laughs> you start using that a lot more, which is very different to Captain Boomerang who's a lot more kind of like getting onto the ground and he's got this really powerful slide and his melee feels great. He throws the boomerang, which primes people to get shot. 
and they all have different anyone can equip any gun as far as i remember but they have straights in terms of the guns that they can equip so you do naturally feel yourself drawn towards shotguns as as boomerang and and, and long range ars and sniper rifles as deadshot um a lot of that stuff was, was was quite effective and well handled i thought um positives um I, I will agree with you on that. I, I think the um, okay. I, I think the the dynamic traversal systems mixed with like the way they want you to engage with combat really like do work in concert together quite well. Like for example, King Shark, um, his his sort of ability to move around and then use his minigun is sort of done in a very different way to Boomerang's ability to sort of appear behind, almost behind enemies with his teleportation boomerang and use a shotgun. Like, they've, they've care of it, and like you said, with Deadshot and his um, his sort of hover and his assault rifle ability, they've obviously sort of crafted it so that you want you you've want to use the right character with the right weapon type. I found it odd that they then gave you ability the ability to just use whatever you wanted anyway. Because um, would you not think you would be you would gravitate somewhat towards weapon types that you're used to using in other games, which is one of the things I thought I probably would do, like irrespective of who I was. Um, I I think certain players will trend that way anyway. I think there's going to be a certain subset of players who see an AR a assault rifle, recognize an assault rifle, and use an assault rifle regardless of how much it matches up with that playstyle. Um. I'd be interesting to see again where like that's how they could potentially utilize some of the characters' more unique traits and skill trees. I can't remember if, off the top of my head if they reinforce the usage of certain weapons over others. Um, uh, and or, or, like because there must be a gameplay reason I just can't recall for characters to have like preferred weapons. Um, so I think I don't know. I, I felt it was natural to adhere to what the character would prefer to use, and then letting my choice of character dictate which weapons I ended up wanting to use it. So I didn't feel a draw at all to uh, become King Shark and start using pistols or sub submachine guns, for example. Right. I would instead switch to Harley Quinn and use submachine guns. Um, that was the way my brain ended up kind of like making sense of it all. So I did but the same, same thing, time, but I did it on I purpose. No, I, 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 like, I see what you mean. I'm, I'm, I meant it. I was like, no, I'm King Shark. Now I'm going to use a minigun. Like I'm, I purposefully made that choice. And I wondered if I would stick with that uh, throughout the game. I think people will. I think people will. I'm not, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm uh, uh, spending too long on something which is kind of irrelevant. But I was, I, I, we've talked about this before. I really like asymmetric, not necessarily asymmetric shooters, but asymmetric teams within shooters, whereby one character has sort of like certain elements and they can only use certain guns and they can only do certain things. I think, I don't know, I, th I think that adds an interesting dynamic to, a, a, you know, a game like this where you've got a group of people who can sort of, I want them to be different. I don't just want everyone to end up feeling beige. No, I, I think they do feel different. Like, I think here's one, here's what I'd say. I want to say the first tutorial you do in the game was is either dead. It's either Deadshot or Captain Boomerang. I think I'm pretty sure it's Deadshot. If you did that tutorial and said I'm done here and quit and went into the main game and then immediately switched to Captain Boomerang and tried to traverse the city, you'd have a couple of minutes of like, ah, oh, what's what's going on here? And like, be in trouble, yeah, yeah. And I think that that speaks to they've gone further than some games would have in making those characters unique uh, in some respects. The frustrating thing is I don't know if they're unique enough in in all respects to make it like being a campaign that is worth, as I suggested earlier, playing multiple times, yeah. let alone once. Um, 
and they, and then you want obviously as we'll get into once you get into the nitty gritty of the combat encounters themselves and the kind of the enemies you're coming up against the way those the way the guns feel to use to put it as you know as, as simple in terms as possible uh, once you start getting into that kind of territory the, you know the appeal of familiarizing yourself with these different characters and jumping between them or keeping them all leveled up or keep making sure everyone has the best loot they can have um starts to dissipate uh so if i was to pick out some of the um positives that i, re I remember from my time with it i would say that the things like the story the voice acting when you encounter like the because you get to encounter if i remember rightly either flash green lantern um wonder woman um, Batman ba and Batman all within that sort of quite quickly within the first say half an hour or no it wasn't for half hour but like the first hour and a half you get to you know you don't get to fight them but you do get to interact with them and engage with them in the in the open world to kind of set up their stories you're also introduced to um, a couple of other characters like uh, Riddler for example you get he introduces the first idea of sort of like Riddler challenges and you've got to solve some of these um in-world riddles to get uh you know whatever it is i can't remember um loot crates or whatever it is but whilst all of that stuff is well acted sounds good looks good and the and the the main cast as well i think that they've done a very good job with how all of that all of they sound it just doesn't seem to fit if i remember how i felt in the open world fighting the purple guys if that yeah. to me was not enjoyable and that's what that's where yeah. i kind of came to I, I it reached a bit of a head for me was I've got this very rock steady potential single player campaign game with these really good characters, well written stuff, it, potentially exciting boss fights, and then you're put in this open world where it's like just fight. Do you know what they remind me of a little bit? Is it the putties from Power Rangers? Is it the, yeah, you're asking the, putties. the guy, I'm afraid. I'm but the Power Rangers, man. Where the Power they used to the Power Rangers would be sort of like walking around and then suddenly these stupid blah, 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 things would just appear like purple things would appear out of nowhere and it would be a ridiculous mob fight where it's kind of boring and pointless, but they just keep popping up. And that's kind of how yeah. I felt in the open world in this game. Yeah, no, for, there is definitely a bit of it that feels that way. And like the encounters never felt they like i never felt no matter which character i played as or like how in control of their tool set and skill set that i felt i was i never felt like i kind of got fluid enough to feel like i was really entering a, a you know a flow state and for all the games that it's sort of been compared to it is maybe trying to riff off like some of the you know the third person shooting fundamentals of even things like anthem that i mentioned to um to some of Rocksteady's previous work, like there is an idea, as dumb as it sounds, of a counter shot. So in the same way like Batman can yep. press Y or Triangle to counter an enemy, like now if you see an enemy about to attack, you can aim at them and press R1 rather than R2 on a PlayStation 5 controller to shoot a different kind of bullet that if you time it right, counters them and leaves them more vulnerable and does more damage. It's So an interesting idea on paper doesn't always work in practice. And then you've also got what well, people have, I guess, compared to sort of the slightly more sunset overdrivey approach of, hey, how well can you combine traversal mechanics with gunplay? And the answer for me was even after a half of hours with the game, never as well as I felt like I wanted to. I never felt like I was fully in control of my character. I never felt like I was fully like maneuvering in all the ways I wanted to and combining. I never felt like I was doing shit that would look cool if I saved a replay and watched it back, you know? Right. I, and which and which was weird because I was getting through those those encounters with no problems. Like I wasn't dying. I was killing everyone, and I was occasionally doing cool shit. 
but I never felt like I was doing the kind of cool shit that I was like, not promised, but sold on in some respects. Um, and that ended up being a bummer that was, I, I want, I, I kept wanting the next combat encounter and the next mission sequence to prove me wrong and to be the thing where I found some joy. And there were, again, like hints of it here or there. Um, but, but in the time, the time we had in the alpha, I never quite got there. Um, and yeah, I, I it, that was, that that was one of the, the most significant disappointments for me of that alpha is that I never quite entered into that sort of like flow state that I wanted to as I was, you know, sliding and hopping and teleporting around and shotgunning and meleeing and doing all these things that should look cool. And as I was unlocking the skill tree and there were like almost allusions to Sunset Overdrive style systems where like almost building up higher combos might unlock more abilities. So like the more cool shit you're doing in one long consistent movement, the more shit is happening on top of that. Um, but it never felt like it was actually like clicking for me. I don't know. No, I'm I'm totally with you. It's and I we I think we talked about it looking a lot like Sunset Overdrive. I'm going back like probably a couple of years when we first started seeing anything about this. It was like wow, oh. this looks very Sunset Overdrive. And then there's also things in there that I kind of then got frustrated with. So for example, because of the way this game works and because it is uh, um, weapon like gun weapons first game like you can obviously melee people um but you're you're going to be shooting people mostly and you've got like those good traversals traversal systems they've obviously said well this is me again saying this is what developers do it seems like they've said oh look the purple guys are too easy to take out so we're just going to have them pop shields up everywhere so you it makes it slightly more difficult to like get behind the shield or you have to shoot a specific part part of the shield to take the shield out and i'm like but that's not that's not fun like you just spamming the world with groups of enemies that are, don't do anything don't say anything just sort of run around shooting at you in little clumps and then they're shielded it just becomes busy work and that is you can't just say well we've got a big open world um and we've got all this busy work for you to do and they've all because they've also said oh do you know there are tanks in there as well Oh, how'd you take out the tanks? Uh, there, there's purple spots on the tanks that if you sh they're the weak points, and if you shoot the weak, and you've got to get around the tank and shoot the back of the tank or shoot the side of the tank, like this is this is like game making from the days of old, smashed into a game that should be like fantastic. It should be fantastic. It's about it's Justice League, it's Suicide Squad, it's Rocksteady. Like if you bring everything together, like think how good the Arkham games were. Sure, they had groups of little enemies who stood about and um, and you had you could beat up. But they were just fodder for Batman to take a pop at. So, I don't know. It's it's it, it's it's kind of it's frustrating. It's annoying. Dare I invoke the name uh, Gotham Knights when I say that I don't necessarily think oh. on the like on the this is this is really you know what, on the basis of it. I think uh, where we are now, this is going to be a prediction for me. If I end up playing Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, I think I may might rate. Gotham Knights higher than I rate Suicide I mean, Squad, and which is a weird thing to I, say. Yeah, but I don't think I will. That another no, spin. Say I can say that now. I found Gotham Knights to be quite repulsive the, the more <laughs> I, the more time I spent with it. And and it, and, it, and it is, and the fact that it had some fundamentally broken stuff in it, and things that obviously weren't supposed to work in that way. But at least when I remember that game, there was sort of sections of it where you had multiple strands to a story that led you to fight. A certain boss or you know take out a certain villain in an interesting way if the upshot of 
this game is that you don't even get that. You don't even get those multi-layered fights with the different bosses. I'm sure you will with some of them at the very least. I could see it ending up feeling even flatter than yeah. that game. It's not to say I, Gotham Knights is better. It's more to say like this could be worse in some respects, which worries me. That's fair enough. If you want to phrase it that way, I won't argue with you. And like you're right, there, there are still way too many unknowns with, with very many, very Suicide many. Squad. Like there is one sequence that we I can't remember. There's probably footage of it out there somewhere, but I don't know if it's out there in an uncut format. But where it does take place in an interior envir environment, and that interior environment, without saying what it is or why it's interesting, is like quite detailed and has, let's just say, it has throwbacks to other things that the Rocksteady and have done before, and things from the Arkhamverse in in a kind of presented interesting way. But during that sequence, while it, here's the problem, I think the sequence was fundamentally bad in that I didn't really un I didn't really understand what was going on, and if a player doesn't understand what's going on while something like that is happening, I think you've messed up somewhere. Yeah, um, but it involves essentially being stalked by Batman. It's and I will say now, unless it's different by the time of the release, it's nowhere near as cool as I'm going to make it sound. But you <laughs> essentially get stalked by Batman, and each of the Suicide Squad get kind of taken out by Batman um, in uh, in different ways. Um, and then you get to a sequence at the end, which plays out in a cutscene where you're witnessing firsthand the effects of. Um, some of the some of the justice league excuse me being under the effects of um what's the deuce brainiac um yeah. being under the effects of brainiacs whatever it is some of them not and it essentially leads to a confrontation between a brainiacified batman and the flash um and uh you see how far you basically get to see what it looks like when a team like Rocksteady, who still fundamentally have fascinating, I clearly have fascinating ideas and care and love and affection for the DC Universe's characters, you get to see what what it looks like when Rocksteady make Batman the bad guy. And there, there are there was like a a holy shit moment in there where I was like, that's really cool seeing Batman do that because I've never seen these people do that. And if I get to see Superman do that in the future, like there's some really interesting threads there that Does I really hope they. Doesn't Boomerang even say a line of something like, "Oh," or someone says like, "Don't worry, Batman doesn't kill people," and then Batman and he like stabs him or does something. And then it's like, "Holy shit!" And then it's, it's yeah, he, he Batman goes fucking ham. Batman fucking turns you know Flash's face to mush basically. And yeah, it's 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 like it makes you take a step back in a way that I I think that there's so much room there for interesting material, and I don't know how much they can explore that. Hopefully, loads as the game goes on. It's also interesting, like, we can't give too much, you know, uh, time to leaks, but it is interesting to see the people who are out there who are leaking kind of, like, plans for the game going forward, and you're reading, like, and I'm trying not to read too much into it or believe too much of it, but, like, you're reading for, like, the plans for this game months down the line and, like, plans they have for the world, plans they have for play potential playable characters down the line, potential villains down the line, and you're, like, for as much as live service games rub people up the wrong way... It is interesting here that if they do make like a at least a fine or a solid base for a game and in a year's time kind of like what happened with marvel's avengers except hopefully a better foundation to work from hmm. you're reading an article where you're like this character is being added to suicide squad and this season is all about this character invading metropolis and they do this to the world and you're like actually that could be really cool um ultimately Things like Spider-Man and Black Panther didn't work out for Marvel's Avengers because the fundamental baseline offering was so disappointing. But if Suicide Squad can clear that level, and I think it can, 
that I think there could be something to the long-term success of this game or the long-term viability of the game. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. And like I said to you and Chris earlier via text, like if you're out there worried about live service components, if you're out there worried about DLC, microtransactions, games as a service, you know, server-side shit, always online shit, like there are far bigger concerns to have about this game at the moment than any of that. Like that is the least, like let's focus on hoping the game is okay first because that is the first hurdle to jump over and it's not doing it yet for my tastes. I would agree with you. I, I will say that, and I, I said this to you guys earlier, the one saving grace or potential saving grace for me is, and, and is what we don't know yet and what we haven't seen, is I I think the, despite all the negatives, despite some of the stuff that I don't like, I feel yeah. like there is a potential for the, uh, the the boss fight sections. I've already said like that Batman's introduction to Batman section was something very different. And then the Batman and, and Flash bits were a bit different. Did, did you watch the Flash fight though? Surely that drains all confidence you had. I didn't watch like, the Flash looks, I didn't watch the Flash fight yet. It looked it look so boring. I, I'm, I'll go watch it after this, but... That is the one thing I'm hoping out, I'm holding out for, is that there is this multi-layered, multi-faceted element to the boss fights, which makes you think, do you know what? Even though some of this other stuff is kind of lackluster, even though the, the gunplay in that can be dull, actually, there is some rock steady, um, like gold in here. And, and maybe that's what ends up happening, is you almost weather sort of 60% of the game to get to the 40%, which is really good. And I'm 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 holding out hope for um, that. Maybe maybe stupidly. No, no, I don't think it's stupid. I I think I'm gonna hold out hope the whole time. Like, I, it's interesting. I've name dropped Anthem a couple of times in this chat, and Anthem was a game like right up until Anthem 2.0 or whatever it was going to be called was officially cancelled, which I think happened uh, around the 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 early days of this podcast, or at least it was being talked about in the early days of this podcast. I was like. Yeah, do Anthem 2.0 because there's enough good shit and cool shit in Anthem that if there's a good version of Anthem in the future, I'll play it. Yeah, agreed, um, yeah. And like there have been plenty of games from, you know, uh, Destiny 1 to Diablo 3 to uh, to Final Fantasy 14. And I know we're starting to get into kind of like quasi-MMO and MMO territory and maybe that's unfair, but there have been plenty of games that took a long time to get where they needed to be or that, uh, that you know, weren't the finished article off the bat and... And with time, they got there. Um, and so I'm never not going to be optimistic. I'm never not going to be hopeful. Optimistic is the wrong word. But I'm never not going to want this game to be everything it can be. Um, and so I don't think there's any naivety in that or there's anything wrong with that. But much like Anthem, it is one of those things where the closer we get to it and the more I see from it, the more I think, like, actually, it's tempting to come up with a conspiracy theories. It's con it's tempting to look at shit that doesn't make sense and sort of fill in the blanks with like some other weird agenda. Like uh, Rocksteady were forced to make a multiplayer game. Rocksteady were forced to make a live service game. Rocksteady didn't get to make the game yep. they wanted to make. Warner Brothers forced their hand. Um, you know, start getting into conspiracy theories or getting into weeds about why it was delayed, what they were doing with the downtime, and all that kind of shit. I, I, the closer we get to the release, the more inclined to believe, the kind I am to believe, that this was always the game that Rocksteady wanted to make. Much like Anthem was always, in some respects, the game that Bioware wanted to make. The fundamentals were always there. It's just it didn't come together like the way it did in someone's head seven years ago. 
and and you we've been there in, in obviously in a very different way like as editors making videos where you have an idea you have a great idea the concept's really good you get all the elements together and then you try and produce something really good and then you get to a certain point and you're like this just isn't what I wanted it to be, but I'm so far down this path, there's no possible way I can go back. I just have to make the best of what I've got. And I'm not I'm not suggesting that's what's happened to Rocksteady with this game, but there is, I'm just saying there's potential for that to be, you know, an element. I, okay, I will say as well, the chat is on a bit of a downer because we're, we're just sort of like... Oh, no. And, and we're not... I don't want to say that this that all the reviews are going to come out for this one, you know, the week before this game drops and they're all going to be negative and and it's all going to be doom and gloom. There may be people that really get on with this that really like it. I think it. there will be. Yeah. I I, will be. I agree. I think there will be as well. There is still some fantastic um, you know, uh rock steady um sort of blood running through this in certain areas that people are really going to get on board with and if you if you can get through certain things and you don't mind certain things in games, you might love this like the way that the combat works. Some of a lot of that stuff wasn't necessarily for me, um, or Jamie as well, or you know, a lot of other people. Um, I do have a question though, uh, from the chat. This is coming in from, and I thought this is a good question to give a little preview. Uh, oh, sorry, um, what's the word prediction as we did last week? So maybe we can add this to our list of predictions. Oh, no. Um, Randall Flagg has got a question which is based, based on this, on our opinions of the beta. How long is this live? Is this game going to stay live for? Oh god! Oh, that feels so. So we're not going playable. We're saying like supported live service. So Hang on, we, we need we need to be very careful here because Marvel's Avengers is still playable. Exactly, ex- exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it can it can end up like Marvel's Avengers, and that's fine. But we're talking about live service. So we're talking about the 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 company supporting the game and making new content we're, we're for it. We're talking about the, the moment where Rocksteady put out the tweet saying, thank you to all the massive Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League community for all their love and support <laughs> over the years. While the servers will remain up, the the two the version 2.14 update that drops on this date will, this year, be our last. will be the last update. There will be no further updates, bug fixes. Or- there'll, there'll be a very small team working on very specific bugs as and when they arise, but there'll be no new content okay. for the game. Okay. Da, da 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 What do you reckon? So we are Jan 15th, 2024. In comes out early Feb. Year year one is almost entirely has to be almost entirely in like in the books. I'd say a large portion of year one content. I wouldn't be surprised if it was um I'm 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 doing I'm doing I'm something a little bit cheeky. I'm looking up the most expensive version of Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League <laughs> that you can buy and see if they allude to how long you've got kind of like a, a battle pass for. Um, I think it's £100, isn't it? Is there is a £100 version of the game, yes. Um, I think it's a deluxe get, digital version is 100 quid, which I was shocked that it's that expensive. Yeah, so it basically, in the, in the deluxe edition, you get a battle pass token which is redeemable to uh, in exchange for a premium Battle Pass access. But in the small print, in the legal info, it says Battle Pass token redeemable for premium Battle Pass access, brackets, seasons one to four Battle Passes subject to availability. So in the legal info, they're saying that the, the token that comes with the expensive version of the game will only be eligible for exchanging in the first four seasons. But that means they're at least thinking as far ahead as four seasons, month and a half to two months I think that oh man okay I, I basically it's confusing because I don't think it will be like a dramatic Marvel's Avengers style uh, tweet 
but I think we will stop getting significant additions to Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, um, around end of summer 2025. Like I'm, I'm 2025. Eight, yeah, I think there's going to be 18 months of surprisingly solid support. Well, like how long? How long was Marvel's Avengers being like fully supported for? Entirely new characters, campaigns. Oh no, but okay, but I'm I'm saying to the tweet where like we're no longer supporting it. I I because I'm with you. I I think yeah, eighteen months easily of 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 new stuff, new characters. But 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 I think I think I think it will. I think we'll get that tweet. Thank you to the fans. We're no longer supporting the game, but it will still be live for a period. I think I think we've got a decent. I think it's got a decent run. I think it will have. A bit of a resurgence, based on some stuff. I might have actually been unfair. I think I think Avengers went longer Mar than Mar you're thinking. Marvel's Avengers had three years. I was going to say three years for this. I was going to say yeah. 2027. I'm, I, I'm, you're, yeah, yeah, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'll say uh, Q1 2027 is what I was. That was that was my initial thoughts and, and thinking. I thought Avengers went it, two and a half years, but so three it, it's years. All, yeah. But it's also hard. It's also hard when you don't know the the scope of the support for the game. Like again, Marvel's Avengers. We knew there were going to be additional Avengers, but. Like, did we know we were going to get that entire Black Panther campaign with an entire right. new location and, like, all the kind of work that it went into that? Like, I, I don't know what the future looks like for Suicide Squad, but I think that will be the other thing that helps define how long it's going to be. But you're right, 18 months was far too short. You can revise. You, you can revise if you want. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I, I just have no idea. I just have no idea. Fair. Um, That's fair. Like, like, I don't I, yeah. I, I three, like three years as well. I just don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, right. I'm we'll, struggling to either come up with a, a an estimate. Three. Let's say we both around the ballpark of three years. So let's yeah, let's call it three years. But um, so w when the podcast is still going in 2027, we'll see <laughs> if we were right. There you go. We'll uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll do a even if it's not going, we'll do a special edition. We'll we'll bring it back just for one to talk about patron uh, exclusive. For the one person who forgot they were still on the $2 <laughs> tier in three years' time and had accidentally been giving us money. This is going out to one person. Yeah, there we go. Uh, well, hey, hopefully for um, Rocksteady's sake, you know, it lasts long and that does really well. And and we're totally wrong. Um, I wish them all the best. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Arkham Trilogy and, you know, Rocksteady yep. in general. So let's hope for their sake. Um, Rocksteady are rad. Video games are rad. Um, they make they clearly can make great games. I hope this is one of them, and I hope they continue to make them afterwards. I hope Rocksteady and the games industry in general continues to grow. I hope no one else gets laid off or fucking made redundant for the rest of the fucking year because 2024 has already been um, depressing as all hell. Um, yeah. Always um, open for the best. No, absolutely. They are rad. And I know another group of people that are rad, Jamie... I'm talking our patrons who support us over at patreon.com forward slash super show. Um, Fuck yeah. They are an, an awesome rad group of people. And you know, because some of you are here right now having a little chat uh, and watching us live. I'm actually going to give a shout out to some people because we didn't do it already. Um, so thank you for joining us on the live. I'm talking Nick Leakes, Amnestus, uh, Randall Flagg, Bill Caesar, 69 DJ, Classy Cat in the house, Leo Dunlop, who else are we going to give a shout out to? Me. You, Jamie. Now, uh, that, that's everyone I can see at the moment. So, no, thank you already for joining us on the live. But as I said, thank you to all the patrons. Thank you for your uh, your continued support week in, week out. It really does um, keep the lights on, keep us coming back week after week. Um, we would not be able to do this without you, and we are humbled um, when 
we still see that people are supporting us and coming back as well just to like chat just to drop a comment um just to give a shout out it's it's yeah it's wicked it's fantastic we really enjoy yeah. it so thank you so much for doing that um there are some names on screen right now of some people um that we would like to pay some respects to but i'm also going to give a shout out to some special people i'm going to shout out aaron cameron athletic gravy brimstone ice dog rock salt yes Cam Dan nielsen pastors guild and the big dogs, the members of the board, is Brett Z, a.k.a. Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw McGreed, Manuel Guerrero, and Peaswad. Uh, like I said, thank you, everyone. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for uh, chatting, for being here, for watching, for listening. It is, um, yeah, it's it's wicked. And it means that yeah. Jamie and I can come back week after week and we can talk about games that we love and games that we might hate in the future. <laughs> like Absolutely. Like God, don't, Jamie. And I will also plug, um, hopefully not too preemptively, that as we hurtle distressingly towards uh, episode 200, uh, keep your eyes peeled to um, all the relevant channels and and you know networks and what have you um, over the next coming weeks and months. As hopefully we'll have some interesting pieces of content, kind of the kind of stuff that we haven't been able to do for a little while. Uh, I won't tease too heavily because who knows? Just in case anything will actually come to pass. Yeah, you don't want to. I, we should be under-promising and over-delivering, but yeah, we've we've got some cool ideas for some some content in the coming weeks or months. So uh, yeah, uh, stick around and stay tuned for all that. Um, I missed out one person on the uh, the chat, <laughs> Neil D. I'm sorry, I didn't see you. Neil D. And as I'm Jonesy, I have to remind you every time, but that is actually the Neil Diamonds who are you are failing to remember as well every time, have as been. if the 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 man who brought sweet caroline into the world as a super show fan and you're showing him such disrespect sweet neil caroline bum, bum, bum. Neil, uh, I, mr diamond i should say i apologize on behalf of alex <laughs> well i think at this point jamie uh neil diamond probably does i know i want to hear what you've been playing or watching or getting up to in the last week since the last podcast um, oh, what can I offer? Do you know what you kind of you you kind of upstaged me a little bit this week because while I haven't been able to do a huge amount, um, uh, I I di- I played a little bit of something courtesy of a demo, um, only to come out uh, and chat to you today to find that you'd been playing the full fat retail release. So I'm gonna let you um uh, share your or share your thoughts uh, with the world on that, and I might just use the background knowledge i have courtesy of that demo to kind of prod and probe at some of your wider thoughts on the game but i will just say that um uh goodness i'm slightly emotionally fragile at the moment uh, i for whatever reason decided to watch a very sad film last night i haven't entirely recovered which isn't helped because i've been watching uh the soundtrack listening to the soundtrack all day while i'm at work and intermittently weeping so shout out to past lives that might end up being my favorite film that was technically released in the year of 2023 and just because I've got nothing else to say before we move on to something far more interesting, I will say that I am also now, as it's a PlayStation Plus game, finally making good on uh, a Plague Tale Requiem, um, which was very yes. handy because I played a Plague Tale Innocence for the first time last year, way late, um, because just on a whim, I was like, it's sitting in my library, I might as well try it. It's got a PS5 version. Obviously, Requiem is now a PlayStation Plus game, and I'm playing it, and those games are great. Um, I don't really... It's, I have a weird sort of love-hate relationship with with some stealth games, um, which is weird because most it's when I think back on it, it's mostly love. When I like, because <laughs> I like Metal Gear and I like Splinter Cell and I like, you know, Arkham Asylum and and and, and shit like that. Um, but basically, what I'm trying to say is stealth can very easily piss me off. 
and yeah. a plate a plate tail doesn't do that too much. It offers an, you know a, a sensible balance between being underpowered and overpowered, and in situations where you're underpowered, you don't feel like you you don't have to hide in lockers like you do in a first person horror game. You can you're still sort of like maneuverable, and the story is wretched and dark and distressing and harrowing, but um, gripping in equal measure. So basically, shout out to the Playtale games, and I'm sorry it took me so long to play you both. Um, but Jonesy, I played half an hour of a game that you played two to three hours off of memory serves. Couple of hours, yeah. The latest release from the publisher famous for never talking about the games they publish is Ubisoft. Yeah, so this is... Um, uh... We've talked about Prince of Persia a couple of times. This is Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, which is uh, the new uh, 2D side-scrolling Metroidvania game from Ubisoft. I I think I've slagged it off a few times, purely purely based on the fact that I was excited about the remake of Sands of Time. And when that was absolutely... I don't even know the word for it. um, Like What they did to that remake was abysmal. We can call it an abomination. It was an abomination and has been, you know, rejigged, redone, handed to multiple teams and had a 30 million different um, uh, chefs trying to to sort it out, still to no avail. I wasn't holding out much hope for a, you know, this which looked like a a modern reimagining of the traditional Prince of Persia games, which I used to play and I used to like on PC back in the day. So, which is very much like a pitfall game where you're running along and jumping over a pit and that's about it. Very minimal combat, as you can imagine, back in the early 90s. However, I was surprised to see some very good reviews coming from this. And when I actually watched some of the footage and saw what the game was all about, I was very um, pleasantly surprised by what I saw and so decided that... I would jump in with both feet and not only buy the game, but also buy the um, uh, the extra £5 version, so like the deluxe edition, which meant you got to play the game three days early. So it meant I got to sort of jump in and have a bit of a play. And so far, so after a couple of hours, loving it. Like I genuinely think it's it's a fantastic game. It's definitely giving me... um, uh like i haven't played a metroidvania game for a while and like metroid dread was the last sort of game of that that i played yeah yeah. and this is totally scratching that itch you know down to the even down to like the idea of if you find an area that you don't have a an ability to get across yet you can drop a uh um uh i can't really call it like you effectively take a screenshot but it pins it to the map so that you know to go back there at a later date and you can try and traverse it in a different way that was really cool i thought Oh, fantastic. Like, such a good little mechanic they've got, because I used to hate being like, I can't quite remember where that thing is, and then trying to... F- was just oh, frustrating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, this was something I did not expect to like as much as I have done, but as we've said, Ubisoft never promote anything anywhere anymore, and I don't know why it seems that way. I don't know if it's true or whether I'm just wrong about it, but it seems to be that way. But this this game is fantastic in, in the couple of hours that I've played it. Um, it's opening up really nicely. It's gradually introducing all the different skills and, and like amulets and stuff that give you little buffs and things. Uh, it's introducing the idea of like the time, um, the ability to control time that you can do like Prince of Persia games. Um, mm. So far, yeah, having having a fantastic time. New character, Sargon. You get to play one of these immortals, these group of warriors, and you're at the beginning of the game anyway, you're trying to um, save a prince who's been kidnapped by one of your own, by another immortal. Um, yeah, so far fantastic thoroughly enjoying it yeah no I, 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 I that's really encouraging to hear and it i i think the best thing about it is that it echoes a lot of the other sentiment you're seeing out there both 
in terms of you know audience responses and sort of you know, content creator responses, but also critic responses. And it, it's interesting. I don't know if you kind of have any feelings or insight into this, as a, as a, especially as a long-time Prince of Persia fan, but it's fascinating watching Ubisoft get what what feels like their most critically acclaimed game for a long time. time. Yeah, yeah, especially as you know, even the you know what were traditionally the heavy hitters like the Far Cry's and Assassin's Creeds of the world have kind of tailed off into the mid seventies territory. You know, that Avatar game game end up coming in, I think, at the low seventies. You know, and then you just have other random things kind of here or there, like um, like Riders Republic. I guess um, the last um, Mario and Rabbids game was technically Ubisoft. That probably did okay, but this feels like an like unequivocal positivity around a unique twist on a Ubisoft. So many different adjectives that don't get usually used to describe that publisher, and yet I'm sitting here looking at this and saying, "Great word of mouth, a game that doesn't cost full full price." I believe even if you buy the more expensive version, as you did, Josie, I think it's forty nine ninety nine. That's right. Um, so, which is which is which is very solid. I'm sure it's even cheaper on perhaps on PC or on or, or, or um, com, you know, translates very nicely to dollars and what have you. Um, but like, how many Prince of Persia fans are there out there? You know, it's a series that feels like it's been away for a little while. And while you know things like the Sands of Time remake that you mentioned have obviously increased the rumblings around the series, it's not exactly like a marquee Ubisoft franchise anymore. They showed it off a handful of times. Like it was at it was at their event last year, last summer, and it was it's been a Keeley event and stuff like that. But like, I I just don't know how well this is. Going. And like, I hope it surprises me. I hope like it exceeds expectations and becomes this this kind of like weird win for Ubisoft, where Eve gets an email, you know, one day when he sat in his office and. It's like from a secretary that says, "Hey, just so you know, you remember how we took the Prince of Persia franchise, like rebooted it, but went to back to basics, took like a a kind of a, a twist on, like you said, the really old school approach to the series, but like took a lot of the modern day conventions of what is an increasingly popular um, genre, but put some of our own twists on it, and like just like re revitalized it rather than making the same thing over and over again, and sold it first, you know, slightly less than full price, and it worked." Like that would be an amazing takeaway for Ubisoft, and I could see there being a thing where like people ask for future entries in the Assassin's Creed series or the Far Cry series or what have you to get the the Lost Crown treatment. You know, I can see a world where that becomes a thing. I just don't know how well this is going to do, how much you know weight the Prince of Persia name holds nowadays. Whether the lack of marketing and promotion will hurt it, and whether or not that becomes a thing. Because they've been here before when they did this with the two Rayman games. Rayman Origins and Rayman Legends were beautiful, fantastic platformers that were a perfect revitalization of that brand. And it feels like that logic was never extended to any of the other franchises they have. So I don't know. Um, I was just checking checking up on it. One one platform, for example, I think this should should do fantastically well on. So say. on Switch, this is thirty nine yeah, ninety five. Totally. Like this, this if I didn't already have it on PlayStation... Um, if if I'd uh, and I'd see and you know I'd, I'd seen more gameplay whatever, and someone said, "Hey, do you want to try this on the Switch?" I bet it's fantastic. Like I, it's such a great Switch. Like it's it's made like for like Switch. It's made for that kind of pick up, put down. Uh, it's got a very um, so the way that it works is uh, you know as this sort of game as you, you can imagine, but it's got these trees uh, called oh god, I can't remember what they're called. 
have got a bit of a weird name, whatever. They're these sort of trees that offer us save points and when you sort of find you know, a certain area of the map, you find one of these little trees and if you just turn the game off and come back, you're just going to pop up at the, the closest tree that you're at to the bit of the game you hopped out, hop right back in and carry on playing. It's like, it's that effortless and I and I think it's also a game I think that's probably got a lot of replayability when you want to try it on like the ultimate difficulty mode and you really want to test yourself. It's got some, I've already encountered, I think I've had three boss fights in the two hours that I've been playing it. Two were um, totally doable, totally fine. One mm. was I was like, "Ha, huh, I'm coming back here later." Like I'm, I'm right, done. Okay. I'm this dude absolutely owned me, um, and I'm like, I don't want to mess around with that. I need more health or I need more something else. Um, it's it's definitely one of those games that I think is going to allow you to sort of explore and really have fun with. The, like, the combat is totally engaging and accessible. So for me, I'm not like a. Um, uh, trying to think so like hollow knight dead cells i i like those games i'm i can i enjoy them but i definitely think sometimes i feel like my ability to in the combat can be lacking when it comes to some of the the more harder like boss fights and things like that but even at this point i'm at with this game the combat feels totally accessible it feels more accessible than that kind of game you know when you get further into it and you sort of start to struggle um like oh, I've done, I've I've played like I think Metroid Dread like some of those boss fights I probably did like seven or eight times oh, yeah. like they were tough. Like, oh they were rough and and sometimes it's nice to not feel like you suck and I feel even Ooh. with this like I don't feel like I suck every time I've I've sort of faced someone who's a little bit a little bit tasty um but yeah no I, mean, I, I was because even if you did the game seems like it has a lot of difficulty and accessibility options where totally. obviously there's like the pillars of like actually changing the difficulty which seems like there's good choices but also in the options it's things like if you want to increase the parry window or just decrease the amount of damage that like uh, that you take from certain like you can tweak all those things to your liking i the, the parry window for me like i i haven't touched oh i like i swear I have just I'm maybe I'm maybe it's because I've gotten older. My reactions are not where they should be. And what's annoying about it, what's different about this is um it's not the case of uh you don't see the indicator to parry um and then parry when you see it. It's like you'll their the tip of their blade will go white and as they swing it towards you, that's when you parry. Because if they if you hit parry immediately, you've done it too early, and then they'll hit yeah. you with a really connecting shot, which would take a whole chunk of your health off. And you know, is that thing where it flashes red? No. So uh, oh sorry, yes, yeah, that is exactly. So the whole thing, like you go red and there's like almost yeah, like a yeah, big yeah, red yeah. line comes across you and you're like, yeah. for God's sake. And then you have these um uh, counter parries where it's, it, their, their weapon will turn yellow and if you manage to get that you'll hit them with a really powerful move afterwards but again their their weapon might start glowing yellow when they're like 10 feet from you and then they've got to run towards you do a slide jump up and then they do the attack and if you miss that parry um, at the exact right moment when you're supposed to do it again you're going to get like really badly hurt and I've oh, <laughs> like but I've the, but the dodge in this game is fantastic. I've just taken to oh yeah, you want me to parry you? Screw you! I've dodged under you, and then I've backflipped, jumped up in the air, done a ground slam, juggled you up into the air, and then chop chop chop, and you're dead anyway. So let's let's just put that parry crap aside, and I'm just gonna go ham on you the second you think that you think this fight's going that way. This fight's going a different way. Um, but no, yeah, really really enjoying it. Um, yeah, think it's great. That works. Uh, the, the best offense. No. The best defense is a good offense. It is. I think it's the reverse of the expression, but for video games, it, it often can work. Yeah. Well, no. So the, I think the, well, no. You're right. Isn't the saying's a bet the a, the 
I think the expression the best is defense the is a good offense, I which means attack and you don't I get hurt. I thought it meant the opposite. The best, the best offense is a good defense. No, no, no. It's the, it's the other way around. So it is the best pretty, defense. I'm is a pretty good sure offense. the way I learned it was from <laughs> School of Rock, and I want to send School of Rock. She says it my way. I mean, well, I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fact check this. What she, what Joan Cusack says in School of Rock, because that's definitive. She's. I uh, know she says the best defense is a good offense. Yes, because that's what it is. <laughs> Fuck you, Joan Cusack. As the uh, the Detroit Lions are finding out as we speak. Oh, NFL reference is Super Bowl's coming up, right? Super Bowl's coming up next month on the eleventh or the twelfth. Are, are you having the annual Alex Jones Super Bowl extravaganza at your house again? Uh, not on my house, at someone else's house. And actually, I've even signed up to the season pass so I can watch all the playoff games. The Detroit Lions have made the playoffs for the first time in 30 years, and they just won the wild card match against the Rams as well. So there we go. They're doing hey, pretty well. There we go. And I've put a little bit of money on them to win the Super Bowl. I like so. it. I don't know what's been going on with American football, but I've been getting so much of it on my timelines. It even got to the point where, I don't know, something significant must have happened in the world of college football around a oh, week ago and even that was like i just kept seeing loads of tweets people who are really happy um oh, I've got no idea. I, 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 there's two places that i want to say and i don't know why the two places are ohio and michigan but i don't know why i want to say those two places if either of them were actually involved or if one of them was involved whether or not they won but those are the two words that stick to my brain when you say college football ohio and michigan so interesting and they check it out fan, on any 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 people desperately waiting for EA's next college football video game who are <laughs> desperately watching the Super Show, wondering whether we're gonna whether we're gonna get a scoop on it. That's about as, as close you're gonna get. Um, the last thing I will mention that I've been doing this week is uh, only because I had so I I had a great time. I took the kids to see Wonka. Wonka, hey Mister Wonka, ah, uh, Timothy th- Timothy Chalamet, yes, Modded Controller Three Sixties Wonka. Uh, yeah, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thought it was very good. Kids absolutely loved nice. it. Shout out to uh, to Wonka. Um, yeah, very good. I just liked it. That I find I'd found out that having not really heard much about that film since it released, um, it crossed over half a billion dollars in uh, wow receipts this uh, very recently worldwide. Shout out to there's a, there's a lot of I I love this. I maybe I'm really sad. There's a lot of English TV actors in it. Yeah, well, it's from like the Paddington kind of guy, the guy who's done the oh, recent, okay. the two recent Paddington movies. So I want to say there's a must be a lot of British kind of stuff going on right. behind the scenes. That makes a lot of sense. But if you, so, if you if you enjoy British TV as I do, uh, you'll definitely recognise some faces. And me, like me as where by me and my wife were like kept looking at each other because it was like, oh, it's so and so from the-. like so. There's like a comedian who was just we just watched the recently and something like on some little. British TV show and that happened like five or six times and no, it's, yeah, it's, it's very good. I really enjoyed it. Like it. Um, Connor Matthews in the chat is saying that the that Michigan beat Ohio State end of five game slide. So apparently that is maybe the news Michigan that um, beat Ohio State. Wait, so I said the two right places, Michigan and Ohio, right next to wow. each other as well. They're right next to each other. Really? I got, you, yeah. Can I tell you what state either those those are are those states? They are both no, states. They're, they're both okay. I've got to be careful here. I'm gonna. I need to go to Sporkle a few more times and do a 
do a bottle of steak quiz. The only reason I know that is because so Michigan is where I used to go every summer because my grandparents live there, and that's why I support the Detroit Lions. And Ohio is next door, and the reason I know that is because we used to go to Sandusky, Ohio, to go to Cedar Point, which is a theme uh, theme park. I used to ride the massive I, roller coasters. So there you go. I think. The problem I have with Michigan, and this is something we talked about before, is a lot of the term time, a lot of the time, you learn either major U.S. cities or state capitals and their respective states in combos. Right. And for some reason, saying Columbus, Ohio, makes sense to me, which helps me re remember Columbus and also remember Ohio. I don't have one of those for Michigan. And even though Detroit is in Michigan, yeah. Detroit isn't one of the cities that I say is a pairing. Detroit, I just say Detroit. I don't say Detroit, Michigan. Oh, I see. Weird. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. Bad. I do the same thing because I, tr if I can't remember it's a state, I try to remember a city that's in it to make right, yeah exactly. to help me. Yeah. yeah, except for New York, yeah. New York, that was throws me because I always forget. Yeah, and I, I, I always remember, even though again, it's another one where the city is kind of standalone and arguably from a UK, from a British perspective, somehow more famous than the state. I always remember Chicago, Illinois, because they say it that way in Wayne's World. It's almost like a actors, like you don't. You always think of them with their first name, second name. They can't just be their first name. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. They've got to be first name, second name. Or uh, duos, like presenting duos. Like again, this is extremely British, but and you never Deck. say you never say Judy and Richard or Deck. Oh no, you've got to say it the right way around, Richard and Judy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we've com gone completely rogue. Uh, talking about states. No, the people from America love Richard and Judy. They love Rich and Juice. Um, 69 DJ saying Flint, Michigan. There you go. Flint, Michigan. Okay, Flint. Flint's Michigan. in Michigan. Do you know what else? I, I know I Ro have... Rochester's in Michigan. I know that. Rochester, New Rochester. York. Isn't there? There must be a Rochester. Oh, there's Rochester's everywhere, to be fair, yeah. Okay. The other, the other, I'm going down another one of the, uh, like, thing that is going to be completely unhelpful. But um, the other thing that is, uh, that contributes to that is the names they have for each other in... Zombieland, where they refer to each other by where Tallahassee. they're going, rather Tallahassee, Columbus, Columbus, uh, Wichita, and Little Rock. Oh yeah, that's oh, I love that. That's very cool. So they refer to each other by where their destinations are, rather than their their, their names. Let, let let's uh, let's make this a little bit more. You know, let's sideswipe this a little <laughs> bit more. Sorry, because uh, so um, Randall saying like I do that as well. He says Boston, Massachusetts, and Banger, Maine. Banger, I love the fact there's a banger in Maine because obviously there's a banger in a banger Wales. In Wales, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is um, which we will know. But then there's a great bit in uh, uh, Road Trip where, is it, what's his name, thing you named, the weird comedian? Uh, oh, the guy, the weird, like, scrawny guy. No, what, no, the guy used to do, the, 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 the guy used to be on MTV all the time. Is it Green, something Green? Oh, it's, uh, Tom Green. Tom Green, that he and that says... Uh, he, the, he, the girlfriend says like where's he gone and he says Austin Massachusetts and she's like do you mean Austin Texas or Boston Massachusetts and she goes to the wrong university and smashes up someone's car because she thinks that she's told the girlfriend that she slept with him and then she's at the wrong one she has to go to the other one random anyway there we go I love it that's very I also looked it up apparently Tom Green's character name in that is Barry Manilow <laughs> oh yeah that's it and he starts making out of someone's mom at the end of the when he's showing around the people at the university, and the kid just goes, "Mom!" And she's like, they basically start shagging right on the grass in front of everyone in the middle of the day, which is hilarious. Anyway, right. wow, this is going really weird. Let's make it a little bit more weird because this okay. news story is going to be fun. 
Um, because Abby, Jamie, yes. has finally been cast for series two uh, of HBO's The Last of Us. Um, we were all waiting for it. We all wanted to see what was going to happen. We wanted to know how jacked Abby was going to be. And now we know that Caitlin Dever, or Caitlin Dever, have you want to say it, has been cast um, in the role of Abby. So she, despite who I thought she was, she was previously confirmed... Uh, sorry, I'm going to give you some of the other shows that she was in before I move on. Uh, ah, I had them in front of me and I can't see them. There you go. Thank you very much. So she is a, um, an Emmy-nominated actor. Uh, her TV credits include Last Man Standing, Justified, Unbelievable and Dope Sick. Dope Sick. Well, that's hard to say. Uh, she's also been in the films Booksmart, Rosaline, Next Goal Wins, and No One Will Save You. So you may well know her from those, but I don't because I've not seen any of them, and I thought she was somebody else. On the face of it, though, I will say she looks perfectly fine. She looks a little bit like the character. I'm sure they make yeah. her a dirty blonde and scrape her, scrape her hair back. You know, she'll she'll be looking the part. But um, Early Doors, you have seen her in some of these things, Jamie. What are you thinking? How are you feeling? I'm feeling positive. I mean, the only two things that I've seen her in, one of them you mentioned, uh, Booksmart, is a kind of coming-of-age teen comedy, but with a focus on two female leads. Um, you could consider, I guess, like a, a, a late entry into the super bad for a female for a female demographic kind of style film, but it's actually quite good. It's the film that, you know Olivia Wilde, the actress? Yep. Um, her directorial debut before she went on to do What's it called? Don't Worry Darling, the controversial Florence Pugh, Harry oh. Styles, uh, Chris Pine kind of borderline site. I won't get into it, but yeah, that whole chestnut. And the other thing I saw her in, it was a film called Ticket to Paradise, a film that came out a couple of years ago, which was a kind of, I guess you'd call it a romantic comedy, where Julia Roberts and George Clooney pay, play a pair of divorcees who are forced to uh, reunite essentially to join forces to try and stop their daughter who is played by Caitlin Dever. I have seen uh, that. Married. I have, have seen, seen that. that. Yes, no, yeah, I have seen that. The, one. She's okay. the daughter. She goes she goes right. on she goes travelling, falls in love with a local in some beautiful part of the world. I can't remember where exactly yes. uh, George okay. Clooney and Julia Roberts reconvene um to to try and <laughs> get get the wedding cancelled, basically, in as many words. Um and so, which basically means I've seen her in two comedies, but she has been good in both. She's clearly memorable because I knew exactly who she was the second, like, that this casting was announced. Um, she's got previous, weirdly enough, she's got previous with Naughty Dog. She actually, um, I think, did voice and probably, I'm guessing, motion capture as well for um, the daughter of Nathan Drake uh, in, the pro, in the epilogue of Uncharted 4. Right. Do you remember where, like... The epilogue you're playing all of a sudden you're playing as their daughter um for like the that the last oh yeah 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 playing. okay yeah and like that's like the big twist it's like oh they retired and had a kid um yes oh yeah she, she, oh wow i've yeah, forgotten all about that like, okay she's yeah, the voice of the daughter yeah she played her she played uh that character um so she seems great um i know i wish i'd seen more of her serious work like looking at some of this stuff like I, I know like my dad watched and spoke very highly of dope sick not that that means anything to anyone listening to this, but like, <laughs> I will say that um but yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty serious shocked. role uh Abby is yeah. a, is not a character with much humor no it, it's a it's a dark role it's a violent role it's a pretty unforgiving role and it's also a role where uh, you're curious you're always fascinated to know how much actors do and don't have an insight into this but you have to prepare yourself for everything that is going to come with being Abby in the 
online era. Like, if you're going to be on socials, like, you, someone I hope has already spoken to her, be, be like, get ready. You know? Okay, so you're raw. <laughs> this is one, this is a question I asked you before the pod. Does she need to be jacked? If you're going to ask it like that, no, she doesn't need to be jacked. There is a part of me that would like her to be jacked, or at least somewhat jacked, because I, I do th feel like while it did lead to some weird, like, confusing misdirections and, and, and like, conspiracy theories and rumors around um, Abby's gender, um, no, specifically that she was so jacked that she must be transgender, uh, um, which obviously wasn't true. Jamie, you, just ca you can't get steroids in the post-apocalyptic world well, oh, yeah, there was also that. But I, I just think Abby being big and Abby being physically imposing was a, just was an inherent part of her character to me and in the way that I kind of interpreted her role through the, the game and the way that she contrasted with, with Elliot Times, who still, even though she's older in part two, is still not frail per se, um, but like looks small compared to Abby. A lot of people look small compared to Abby. And I, that was an interesting choice in a video game where you can make a character look like anyone to make them jacked. And I wouldn't have minded seeing a bit more of that represented, but I don't think we're going to get any of that based on what Caitlyn Dever looks like and based on the fact that they're filming next month. And ultimately, I think that's fine, but I wouldn't have minded it. Uh, it's the thing for me, because people talk about arms and they sort of say like, oh, about, you know, she's got big arms. That for me was not the thing. Like big arms is not that difficult to achieve. You could you can have big arms if, if your body happens to store fat in the right place and you do some bicep curls. You can have, quote, big arms. They might not look like, you know, might not be ripped or cut. For me, it was Abby's back. There's a shot where yeah. the, the you from behind, she's wearing like a vest top and that her back is damn impressive. Like she's pulling some weight like to be that that broad and robust not to mention the fact that in the game when you play as abby you get to hit some people pretty hard like running into them like a train and i think without that i think you, she needs to have some kind of it doesn't need to be jacked like for me she doesn't need to be cut ripped whatever you want to call it no. but if she is not physically imposing in some sense done through camera trickery through I, I don't want to see like we were saying like will they body swap her with someone else and like replace her head to make her look bigger I, I don't think they should go that route but they need to have some scenes where she is shown to be physically impressive and, and I think you made the point it only she doesn't need to they don't need to go too far down the road because Bella Ramsey is is not and so yes. she just needs to be more imposing than Bella Ramsey. But if you get to a point where we're going to see, once again, Pedro Pascal getting his face caved in, um, as we did in Game of Thrones, but this time it's not the mountain, and it is uh, Caitlin Dever, 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 I don't know how to say it. Um, Maybe it's I, even Diva. Diva. I feel like it I don't would, know. I feel like it would be, I feel like it would take something away if it feels like he could have just got up and taken the golf club off her. Well, obviously it's a bit different because there's a lot of other people in the room with guns. Yeah, it's, it's also worth noting that before getting beaten to death with a golf club, he gets shot with a shotgun and his entire leg comes off. Does his, his, does his leg come Oh, yeah, they shoot him. Yeah, they put one of those straps on like to stop it bleeding. Oh, so yeah, they, yeah. They can, I forgot about that. So... He is he is slightly um, incapacitated. <laughs> but by the way, a huge spoilers for the Last of Us Part Two here for anyone that's I mean, couple of years late. Come on, I mean you have we have to at this point, yeah. Um, and I, I'll be honest, if I if if you put me 
if you put me in a room with Caitlin Dever and I had just been shot with a shotgun and she had a golf club, Caitlin Dever with a golf club could fuck me up. No, no, that's, that's what I do. So I'm fine with it. But in that moment on the screen, I'm sure like she's a very good actress. So I'm sure it, I'm sure at the, that moment it won't actually matter how like physically imposing she is, yeah. as long so as the performance sells it. And, that, and that's the right. key. I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. Like so many of the castings and part what Last of Us season one were kind of controversial until they weren't controversial, right? And a lot of them became not controversial once we saw them. If they are doing what they said they're doing, which is they're continuing to cast people based on their acting chops and who yep. can bring those roles to life, then in in so many cases, gender, race, um, in this case, physique, um, you know, they they took a they took a character from the first game and made them deaf and made them speak with sign language, and it added to the show, in my opinion. So, um, um. Yeah, they t- they took a character who was alluded to being in a homosexual relationship and made an entire episode about that actual homosexual relationship. Like, and it was the most critically acclaimed episode of that entire show. I'm I'm comfortable with the directions they want to take. I think they've earned enough trust to not have to exclusively look at a pool of actors who are of above average muscularity. You know, <laughs> and I'm I'm gonna go with it. Yeah, to be fair, the only reason I'm leaning into it is because it was one of the biggest controversies about the entirety of the game when it came out. It was. Um, How funny would it be if people started complaining about Caitlin Dever's um, physique and Neil Druckmann shot back like, hang on, I thought you guys said that that physique wasn't possible in the apocalypse. We were just, we were bending over backwards to your, we thought, oh, right, that physique is is totally impossible. So we changed it. Yeah, we we thought you guys were absolutely right. All you guys, all you fucking incels on the Last of Us 2 subreddit. Imagine, imagine that all, all that starts up again, and they get to fight again. There you go. Um, I said because I, w- I would give you the 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 blurb, the variety have um have given for Abby's character. So for Caitlin's Deva's character, uh, they say she is a skilled soldier whose black and white view of the world is challenged as she seeks vengeance for those she loved, which is a nice little ride for Abby. One thing that is going to be interesting is um they've confirmed that season two is not going to be the entirety of the last of us part two and so obviously gives them some leeway to whilst we've said um you know um, they start filming next month and so it's they're, they're doing whatever they're doing at the moment with the characters we don't know at what point it's going to cut off and what point that's going to go to like season three which gives them obviously like another year or whatever before they even start filming whatever part of season two they or sorry whatever part of part two they move on to with season three um because we don't yeah. know yet if this is going to stretch into um, like we said, two, three, four, five seasons. Well, we know it's not two, three, four, five seasons and how long it's actually going to go on for. Um, but there's so much they can do with it. And the character, like you said, the characters are so interesting and there's so much cool stuff to get your teeth into. Yep. Um, totally. We should also mention at this point that uh, they have also cast... Um, uh, whereas they've also got the um, Jesse's character, um, which is the actor from Beef, um, which is... M- Mazi- young Mazzino is going to be playing Jesse and you've got Dora the Explorer's Isabella M- Merced is going to be playing Dina obviously the um, love interest for Bella Ramsey's yeah. character which is good that's going to be weird I don't know how old Isabella Merced is but Bella Ramsey still looks hella young to me and I know well, this-, this, this, this is the problem is that like they're, I think they're both already older than, than Ellie is in- really? Bella yeah, Ramsey Ellie- looks like 14 years old Bella Ramsey's 20. Wow, okay, um, fair enough. And Isabella Merced is 22. 
Oh, so, so and, what? And, and Ellie is 19? Yeah, I was going to say she's like 19, something like that. So I that's think Ellie, because yeah. it looks very old for 19, and Bella Ramsey very young for 20, and I think it's as simple as that. To be fair, um, yeah. Sorry. Well, I mean, one thing I will say is that there's a picture, actually, clearly they knew before we did, of Bella Ramsey and Isabella Merced sort of posing together at an award show from like three weeks ago. Right. And they're the same height. And when you see them together, you're like, okay, I can oh, see. Oh, okay, yeah. Peter and that, while you, you make a point, I'm going to try and find that picture and share it with you. Um, so, um, no, all I was going to say was it's 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 one, I think, um, that uh, Abby, uh, this, Abby, Ellie is uh, yeah, quite haggard because of, I imagine, the world that she lives in and, and how she sort of has to, what she has to deal with. So probably reasonable as to why she's looking a little bit older than her 19 years. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that... Um, that is good. one thing. So, because that having people the same height does so much heavy lifting when you've got to have like a romantic interest thing. What you don't want is like one who's two feet taller than the other one, and because then it completely throws off like ages and stuff, makes it look really weird. I don't. I'm trying to think what Dina looks like. Um, she maybe yeah, she'd get she, yeah, fine, Dina, that's fine. Yeah, like she looks enough like Dina that they, they, I think it will pass as Dina. No, um, yeah. Also, apparently, just looking at heights, Caitlin Diva apparently is almost identical in height to Bella Ramsey. Oh, no, um, you were so, going to say that. So, uh, <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say Pedro Pascal. I was like, say Pedro Pascal. Don't say Bella Ramsey. No, Pe Pedro Ramsey. Pascal is... Pedro Pascal is not massive. He's 100 and... He's about 5 foot 10. 5 foot 10 and a half. So how tall uh, is Bella Ramsey? Because I always think of her as being quite, like, really quite small. According to Google, she's about 5 foot 1 and a half. And Caitlin Diva's about five foot two. So Abby's five one and a half. Five, no, Abby's Abby Abby's five foot two. She's five foot say. two. Yeah, I might have to completely denounce and reject what I've said previously on this podcast. And so, interestingly, that, um, I'm sure Storm, they'll make Storm Reed, who played. Um, uh, I forget. I'm, I'm going to forget the character's name. Um, uh, Riley. In the uh, the character from the Left Behind DLC, which obviously basically got its own episode in the show, um, uh, Ellie's sort of initial love interest or first love interest is apparently five for eight. Okay, so, uh, to so be, maybe she should have been Abby all along. To be fair, like we're, TV and film have no problems in adjusting how people look on camera. If there's one thing they're good at, is making people look different sizes to what they really are. No names mentioned. Tom Cruise. No, no, we're no all, names mentioned. Thinking it. I was at, do you know the worst one? Not the worst one, that's, I don't mean that. I love him. I've been a fan of him for, for decades. Uh, oh. Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's like five foot four, apparently. Legally and, a dwarf in certain nations. But he looks fantastic in like every film he's in, and so I'm not worried. All right, get they'll be able to make They'll be able to make Avi look, you know, big and imposing and whatever. They just, oh, come on, man. Please let them. Don't don't fluff <laughs> that whole thing. I started to think Jonesy's got like a weird like uh, muscle fetish or something. I do a little bit. Freak. Do a little bit. Um, what we should also say, Nick Offerman. So from one, like I said, the critically acclaimed episode um, uh, where Nick Offerman played Bill in season one. Um, he won an Emmy for his performance. He has claimed that a miniseries um, about Bill and Frank and their relationship was pitched at some point, um, not to come to anything um, at this point, as you know, apparently, unfortunately. Um, 
despite what you think of that episode, I was not a big fan. I was a big fan of the episode. I wasn't a big fan of the change from the game. Okay. And I know I'm a li- in a limited oh. number of people. I was annoyed that they completely flipped it. Um, in in what sense? Oh, so they so they took a relationship. So in the game, uh, Frank leaves Bill and says, "I would rather be dead than he, spend one more day with you." Oh, and in the film, well, I'm trying to, in the TV show, Frank dies of Frank is dying, and Bill and kills, kills himself as well as to be together. And to do That's everything right, together, yeah. and so I was like, "That is an interest." But but, uh, it's, but Druckmann did it. Like, it's, so it's up to him. It's his, they're his characters, his whatever. So I'm not I'm not griping, but I'm just saying, like, when you that hit real that hit home for me in the game when it was like, "Wow, imagine someone telling you they would rather suffer death in a in the most like the most horrible way alone in a zombie infested post apocalyptic world rather than be with you." I was like, "That is." That is a, a moment, and then to sort of flip it on his head, and then do the complete opposite. I don't know. I thought it was it was a choice, it wasn't one I was expecting. I suppose that's that's where I'll that's go with that. That's, that's fair enough. I know that 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 episode did divide divide some opinions at the time. But if you look at the IMDb user reviews, it's still the most polarizing episode. Okay, but but I, a fantastic episode. Like I really liked it. And actually, if you say to me they were going to make a mini series based on that, that to me sounds really interesting of those well, two characters in that world. There is a part of me that wonders if the reason it didn't go any further is because someone pointed out that the entirety of their relationship from the moment they meet to the moment they die together is, is already in that episode. <laughs> you so doesn't really, doesn't really need any more Graham, to be covered. But Every anyway. episode is like Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got to fit perfectly into somewhere of uh, The Last of Us to make it work. Yeah. Um, last point on this is that season two is expected to come in 2025 uh, while grounded to the documentary which tracks the development of the second game um, will launch next week alongside part two uh, the game remaster and you will also i don't know if this is at launch but you will also be able to watch the documentary inside of the game much like you could part one as i did not know and jamie had to tell me before the show you could in yeah. the last of us part one which i, I have not seen it's... either parts so. oh sorry they're worth watching. I don't. I don't know how ground well grounded to. Uh, sorry, excuse me. The first grounded holds up now, um, but yes, they're still describing grounded two as being available quote on YouTube and as part of a post-launch update for the Last of Us Part Two. So, doesn't sound like you can watch that documentary in the game day one if you do pick it up day one. Um, but it will just be on YouTube. So, um, trailers out there for anyone interested. It does look like they are, you know, have got cameras rolling as much as they could. I guess. Because uh, obviously it was uh, partly developed and certainly shipped uh, during COVID, but they do have cameras rolling for some of the unpleasantness that that happened during that game's development, um, and it uh, looks like they captured some of the impact um, uh, that that stuff had, as well as capturing some fascinatingly candid conversations of like um, uh, uh, a fucking Troy Baker on set in the in the in the the what do they call it the. But in the, in the in the place where they do all the motion capture, I forget the fancy word they have for it, um, where he's like um, joking about them not killing Joel or Joel joking about Joel coming <laughs> back, and then talking about the decision to kill Joel, and they're like, "What if we did something wild? Like, what if we just said, fuck it, like let's kill Joel?" And like, it's interesting to hear the creators behind the game like speak candidly, saying that sort of stuff. A decision that resonated through that game's history to this day. Yeah, absolutely. That. 
I, I need to watch that. I, I need to watch that first part and get ready for the second part because I'd I'd love to see that. It's, it's funny you talk about like behind the scenes and some of the stuff they did, and immediately my brain went to one of my favourite things I've ever seen in a game, and it's so. Is it minuscule? It's so like kind of like a small fry, but it just I think this sort of attention to detail. And I want to say it's a part where do you? I think you find that Abby doesn't like heights, and then at one point you're walking over oh, a section, yeah. and the way that the camera moves, it it makes the it's almost like a Spielberg zoom makes everything feel horrible and disconcerting, and it gives you the sense of like vertigo, even though you're not experiencing it. And I was like, the, damn, these guys know how to make video games. This is amazing. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd love to see more behind the scenes of them um, uh, in, in Grounded um, Part 1 and Part 2, which is coming soon. Um, okay, let's move on to the final story that we're going to talk about today. Um, we are going to be talking about the Xbox Developer Digital, which is coming this month featuring Indiana Jones, Avowed, and Hellblade 2. Um, I'm not going to lie. The reason I'll be watching the Developer Digital Direct is because I'm super excited to see more about that Indiana Jones game and to see... Yeah, what is going on with it? Where it's at? What it's going to be? I'm pretty excited, Jamie. If I'm being honest, um, I, I'm. I think that's kind of the only reason that we're talking about this before it's happened, because obviously the stream is going to happen on Thursday for anyone who wants to keep an eye out for it. But I think I don't know when 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 there were rumblings that the developer direct would happen again. I remembered last year's one, and obviously outside of the surprise announcement and shadow drop of Hi-Fi Rush, which was awesome you know one of the highlights of the year the developer direct itself was kind of a little bit like eh, okay like we got another look at i think it was a redfall at the time we got a deep dive on and minecraft legends and that kind of stuff so i was like it's cool if you're into these games but it's all going to depend on what they're showing and when they came out and they were like avowed sort of out sort of makes sense and is exciting i want to see what their obsidian are cooking up hellblade 2 definitely makes sense but when they were like yeah, we're going to show you Indiana Jones. I did not expect that. I thought Indiana Jones would be a wall for a lot longer and would come back in, uh, without sounding, you know, you know, throwing any shade at the developer direct, would come back in slightly flashier circumstances. Right. Like you could open an Xbox and Bethesda, well, I guess you have to call it Xbox, Bethesda Activision Blizzard King Showcase <laughs> um, um, with Indiana Jones nowadays, such as the size of uh, uh, of that ip so it's interesting that it's happening now but really cool and like you said machine games you know they're obviously they're fps guys you know they you know they're they're they're, they're the wolfenstein team and even when you you know go back to prior to the formation of machine games look at where some of those employees trace their roots back to uh i can't remember annoyingly i can't remember the name of the studio now but like there's fucking you know chronicles of riddick escape from butcher bay dna Aww. still present in machine that games. was such a good game man sorry agree but now to like i throw it to you like as, as an indie fan like there's a feeling it's in some corners of the internet that this has to be a third person game because you don't get the indiana jones license and make the first big indiana jones game for decades and have it be a game where you stare at indiana jones presumably hairy knuckles and a whip for 20 hours you know you made that really good point, which was um, before the pod was, imagine if they don't show Indiana Jones in an Indiana Jones game. And it's like, yeah. what? oh yeah, wow, that would that would suck. Like, and I need to see Indiana Jones, but... We've already seen the exact same combination of publisher and licensee in the form of Disney and Marvel 
working with Bethesda and Arcane on the Blade game that was announced the other month, and they confirmed out the gate that that was a, a third-person game, which is extremely rare for Arcane, who, again, between Prey and Dishonored and Redfall and Deathloop are, again, like FPS masters making a third-person game probably because the license requires it, you know? I cannot imagine. Like, you should think of the games that kind of touch on the same sort of thing as Indiana Jones, and I just don't really see how they work as first-person games. Like, I, for, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. For me, it's got to be a third-person game. And, and chances are, we well, chances are, I think almost certainly, we are going to get to see some of that in the developer showcase. They're talking yeah. about showing more than 10 minutes of game um, and developer insights, and we're going to see the first gameplay trailer, um, which is going to be really exciting like indiana jones is such an exciting sort of idea property that has probably spawned things like tomb raider like um uncharted you know a lot of those have got the indiana jones dna running through them um and so i think it's it's kind of exciting to see how the the game from the grandfather of that sort of thing is going to come together and how a you know a developer as good as machine games are going to do it even though their pedigree is in first person games i don't really have any um worries about them uh sort of getting a little bit outside their wheelhouse and it's not completely outside the wheelhouse jamie because they love nazis and indiana jones loves to mess with nazis and so um uh, that that is a very good point notoriously wolfenstein you do get to um, see hitler in a fashion and in indiana jones you do get to see hitler as well when he signs his book in the last crusade so um there we go god if there's any of the the way that machine games handled hitler especially in wolfenstein 2 the new colossus where for anyone who hasn't played that game or doesn't remember, Hitler is b- portrayed as this senile, like, lunatic who is pissing himself, throwing up, shooting people when they don't do exactly what he wants the moment he wants them to. And all of this is happening while he is trying to cast, you know, Terra Billy, a.k.a. Uh, William Blaschewitz, in a propaganda movie based off the exploit exploits of B.J. Blaskovitz that B.J. himself has snuck himself into a Nazi base that's like on the planet Neptune or something like that. It's like it's somewhere in deep space um, disguising himself as himself by simply putting on a fake mustache to audition to play himself in a propaganda film directed by like a, a Hitler who is barely alive and is, like I said, pissing himself and um yeah it, what a wonderful wonderful sequence um that i hope that there's some of that it, there probably won't be any of that energy in indiana jones I but think needs, i think there should be though like i i kind of hope there is like at, at its core indiana jones does have a lot of sort of humor and a lot of it does derive from like messing with nazis in fun ways or like over the top fights with mustachioed muscle men and sort of sort of silliness and stupidness in or when indy shoots the guy rather than getting into the actual sword fight with him and stuff like that exactly like there's there is humor there there's fun to be had and i think if they they need to inject some of that like i oh, i'm gonna say unfortunately Maybe I will. Unfortunately, I watched the recent Indiana Jones. Uh, is it in the spear? The Spear of Destiny, I think it's called. Um, okay, something like was that. Was it? Was it Dial of Destiny? Dial, thank you, Dial was it, of Destiny. Was it, was it Double D? It was Dial of Destiny. You're right. Um, and I did not love it. Like, uh, right, yeah. And I think a big part of that was was like Harrison Ford, fantastic, but I I think he's too old. For, to be playing that character in those films again you because and they know he is which is why they then try and inject youth by having you know in the previous one they had shia labeouf and in this one they had um i always want to call her fleabag i can't remember phoebe 
Phoebe Waller Bridge. Oh, um, Waller Bridge. And they try, and it to me it just doesn't work. Like I, I not, so I don't want that. I don't want that Indiana Jones. I want young Indiana Jones. I want energy Indiana Jones. Like you said, I want him cockily shooting a guy with a sword, whipping stuff, and and kind of doing over the top stunts whilst dodging boulders and and getting off of the girl. Like that's what I want. That is yeah. what I'm hoping for in this ten minutes. I'm hoping we get to see well, some of on. that energy. Can we at least make the concession that we momentarily go into first person mode if we're going to do the getting off of the girl part? Well, sure. Thank you. Ab- absolutely. If we're getting off with the girl, we're going to go. Uh, or, or do we want to go God of War and like pull back and have them in a bed and we can just mash square and X and triangle and circle? Ooh, maybe. I'd be down with that as well. And also, I'd love it if we could implement some kind of smell of vision. I know it's a future technology, but if we are going to have uh, some fucking in there, that I wouldn't <laughs> mind the smell of vision. Lovely. Um, We have potentially uh, got a name for the game. Uh, Recent trademarks have suggested that the game could be called Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. Um, And also we've got suggestions that the game may be further ahead than we thought, as you alluded to earlier on, Jamie, is that we were thinking that we wouldn't see anything this year and that it was going to take a little longer. There are some suggestions that it could potentially be a 2024 game, which is a little bit mind-blowing. when you kind of think of what the scope of this game must be with such an important IP um, that they've pulled out all the stops. If if they managed to get out this year, they would have really pulled out all the stops. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm excited for it. Um, yeah, and looking forward to seeing what we get to see at this developer developer direct. Yeah, yeah for sure. I was surprised by that as well. Like The, the source on that one for us is um, Insider Gaming, which means it's, it's a Tom Henderson joint. And he, he's... I don't know, at this point, Tom Henderson usually doesn't sort of put his money where his mouth is unless, you know, he's pretty happy with the sources that he's been able to cross-reference for that information. Obviously, dates slip and plans change all the time, so who knows if there'll actually be a date on anything we see this week, but it's encouraging to hear that that game is further ahead of schedule um, than than some of us imagined it might be because, um, well, it will, not just because it means we get to play an Indiana Jones game sooner, but also I think it's like bodes well for what... Some people, I think, still look at it as a somewhat iffy Xbox first-party lineup and first-party output. Like, when things like Indiana Jones are getting up to speed and getting ready to see the light of day, then it suggests that, you know, the the building of infrastructure and the investment they, in studios that they've done over the years is kind of bearing fruits where, like, if Hellblade 2 avowed Indiana Jones... They're also going to talk about our history untold, but that's not a game that's particularly on my radar i apologize for anyone out there that it's their bag but like those three those could be three massive games avowed in particular really needs a strong showing i think because the the sentiment with avowed went from a cinematic trailer people that did release not too long after the outer worlds everyone looked at it and went oh my god obsidian got bought and now they're making their skyrim they're making their big fantasy <laughs> yeah. rpg i can't wait and then we saw that kind of in-engine trailer last last year or whatever it was and people kind of went huh doesn't look exactly what like exactly what i thought it was going to look like i think a developer direct is the perfect platform for a game like avowed to get a bit more time a bit more bit more breathing room a 10 15 minute long uh, segment chats with developers and, and key creative personnel behind the scenes learn a little bit more about that world and what Obsidian are going for, because fundamentally the chops that are still present behind closed doors of the studio like Obsidian are of the highest order. Um, you know, and uh, I think Avowed could be really cool. Um, and I, yeah. I hope that 
we see that on Thursday. Absolutely. Um, I think the only other thing to mention that we hope we may see um, at this direct is the potential for a cheeky little shadow drop. Because last year, uh, we had the surprise of a shadow drop of Hi-Fi Rush, um, which, fantastic game. We're not expecting. Absolutely loved it. I know that you did as well. I had uh, very high praise uh, for that game. So some some fans speculating that there may be a shadow drop um, this time around as well. So yeah, um, maybe check it out. Just keep your eyes peeled. What is it Thursday? Did we say it was Thursday? I, be- I believe I believe it's Thursday, yeah. Um, Thursday the 18th, if I'm not mistaken. Not sure, 100% about um, timings. But if I remember right last year, I don't remember it being particularly uh, particularly late one. I think it was fairly reasonably timed. But yeah, a, a shadow drop would be amazing. And the cool thing about a the- potential shadow drop is that like Hi-Fi Rush was a game of the year contender caliber video game but that was entirely developed in secret like no one knew anything about it at a studio that had never made anything like it at all and hadn't even released a game that long before like tango gameworks were that hot off the heels of um ghostwire tokyo which is a completely different genre complete it was unlike anything they made before and all of a sudden it was just out like if xbox have it up their sleeve to have had another project like that secretly being made somewhere behind the scenes then that would be fucking awesome and i would embrace that with with open arms but you know it remains to be seen yeah it might be a bit might be a bit ambitious to (laughs) there's there's probably a very sensible person at xbox who says it's a cool idea phil but you realize that if we do it twice in a row then we're telling people we're going to do it every year forever they'll expect there's hey let's put two things together apparently um indiana jones is further along than people think and there's a potential shadow drop at the direct yeah. You heard it here first. Indiana Jones is shadow dropping at the end this week. I think Avowed looks better than people expect it to. Indiana Jones has a 2024 label on it. Uh, uh, Hellblade 2 has an actual date on it, and it's sooner than people expected. And before you know it, like people are very happy with what is essentially just a quick check-in with four different studios and four different games. Like it's This isn't meant to be one of those big hype building what's going to be the surprise announcement what are they gonna it's not an e3 thing no uh, but i still think that they're getting a lot of leverage out of it which is awesome by the way 3 p.m eastern 8 p.m greenwich mean time there you go not not too long to wait um and with that that was the last story that we um had to touch on uh there's not much left to do except to say thank you very much jamie for um joining me once again for this our 194th episode of the super show yeah just because they've been very squeaky and loud in the last sort of like 15 minutes i would like to apologize if anyone's heard the noises of infestation i'm i'm not infested uh my sons have actually got some pet rats that they got a couple of weeks ago and so if you've heard them they're scrapping and squeaking at one another right next to me so if you've heard that i do apologize and now jamie is grossed out so he's um well he i've already made it clear i'm never going to Jonesy's house again now i don't care if the rats are like removed from the premises i'm never staying setting foot there again yeah fair enough fair enough we uh so we, we yeah we we had some people around the other day and we actually hid them because we <laughs> because they didn't like rats so we had to you like i thought that the, the rats go everywhere though you can't can't hide rats unless you put them in a cage they're in, they're in a cage they're not loose mm, i don't know mate i watched the pied piper well i didn't watch the pied piper it's a some very old story but <laughs> i know the pied piper. i know that i know the rat Mate, you're talking to someone who's in the middle of playing a Plague Tale record. Oh, of course. I forgot about that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to think about rats right now. Keep the rats away from me. Um, okay. 
There you go. But thank you for doing such a wonderful job hosting, Jen Z. You're a star. No, thank you, mate, um, for your insightful commentary, as always. Thank you, everybody, uh, for joining us on the live or for joining us afterwards. Um, thank you, everyone, on YouTube for uh, talking to me as we were going along. Also, keeping me on the straight and narrow and giving me a little, uh, you know, tidbits of information when we weren't quite there with um, some of those things that we touched on, so I appreciate it. Uh, and we will see you, same time, same place, uh, next week. And the, that's it, Jamie. <laughs> that's it. Bye. See you later. Bye.